I'm joined on the line from California by Professor Malcolm Potts, who's at the Bixby Center for Population Health and Sustainability at the University of California, Berkeley. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us today, Malcolm. Delighted to be with you. Now, you've written an article in the Journal of Family Planning and Reproductive Health Care about the remarkable story of Romanian women's struggle to manage their fertility. This breaks down into three periods. So for a start, uh, Romania was a Soviet country. So what was going on there in the Soviet period? Um, the Soviet Union and its satellites never really were able to make any contraceptives, but they did legalise abortion. In fact, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin legalised abortion, um, although Stalin uh, made it illegal for some years. So abortion was available, and women had many abortions. Um, it was an unsatisfactory way of controlling fertility, but that's the only choices they had. And it seemed that at one point, Romania had the kind of historically the highest rate of abortions in the world. That was probably the, 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 the case. I think that the, uh, the Czechs and Hungarians probably made a few contraceptives of their own. Um, they had a higher rate of uh, cordyceps interruptors. So they had the same pattern, but it was not quite as sort of extreme as it was in Romania. Mm. I mean, I was struck that the lifetime average for Romanian women at that point was 3.9 abortions. Well, that was probably also true of many parts of the Soviet Union. So I think Romania really was just a um, you know, part of the Soviet Union when it came to fertility regulation. Mm. Okay. And um, you said there that they, they didn't make contraceptives themselves. So that was the real reason behind you know having this disconnect in their family planning. Yes. Now, um, Ceausescu came in in 1966. So what happened when he came to power? Well, he was a strange, uh, despotic uh, dictator. And, and one day he woke up and commanded that abortion would be illegal and what contraceptives were available to be taken away. And so six months later, the birth rate literally doubled. It was the highest jump in the birth rate of any country in the world. And the women that were already three months pregnant couldn't do anything about it. But then, very slowly and very painfully, with a great deal of suffering for the um, Romanian women, um, an illegal, uh, unsafe abortion network was set up. And then slowly, over about the next 10 years, um, women had more and more illegal, unsafe abortions. And the birth rate came down to roughly where it had been when Ceausescu decided to make abortion illegal. So I think the takeaway message for this part of this story is that women will struggle to control their fertility in any way they can. And that when a law on abortion is reformed, then it turns unsafe abortions into safe abortions, but it doesn't create more abortions. It doesn't destroy more embryos. That, that women will have abortions when they want them in one way or another. And what a liberal law does is to save women's lives, not destroy more embryos. Mm. So if the birth rate had come down, presumably the number of abortions was probably virtually the same as it was before before they were made legal. Yes, I mean, the, the pain that the Romanian women suffered was very visible and um, 
my co-author on this paper from Romania has told me many, many sad stories when he was trying to help women who'd had unsafe abortions who were sort of near death. And as a doctor, he was trying to do his best for helping these women, but always looking over the sh his shoulder to see if you know, the secret police was going to come in and, and arrest him. Mm. Um, but so Romania, at the end of this time, had the highest maternal mortality in Europe, mainly driven by deaths from unsafe abortion. And when Ceausescu died, within a couple of days, really, the country changed its abortion law and made it liberal again. And then um, we could actually count the abortions that were taking place. And there were a lot of them, not surprisingly. Um, and that was, I think, the end of that first uh, uh, phase. Mm. Now, when he died, and this was 1989, presumably contraception became more readily available as well. It took time. I mean, I was there with the World Bank team he died, and um, Western agencies began to try and get uh, you know, modern contraceptive choices, oral contraceptives, and uterine devices, etc., into the country. Better quality condoms. Russian mm. condoms really were a joke. So um, that didn't happen immediately. It, it took a number of years. And again, if you look at the, the, the data, what went on is that this very high legal abortion rate slowly began to come down as women got contraceptive choices. Mm -hmm. And we, can, we know how many contraceptives have been used. And those two sort of lines on the graph uh, track very closely that um, women use more contraceptives and not surprisingly, the number of abortions come down. Mm. Now, obviously, contraceptive use, as you said, was, was going up. Was that a a supply issue, or is it more about people actually accessing um, the available contraception? I, I think it was both. Um, and it certainly, it was a supply issue for quite a long time. Uh, secondly, because the Russians had, didn't have a pharmaceutical in industry, they didn't manufacture things like oral contraceptives. Mm. So they, basically they trashed them. The doctors said, these are very dangerous, they will give you cancer. So it took some time for women to realize that modern methods of contraception you know, uh, are pretty good things. And so uh, it took a matter of years, not decades, um, but so the knowledge got, got around. And now the use of contraception is really quite uh, good. The birth rate is, is, is low and the uh, abortion rate has come down. Mm. Um, now, you mentioned earlier, you know, a takeaway sort of lesson from this. But it seems that, you know, the story of, of Romanian women is quite pertinent to some of the debates that are going on, particularly in the U.S. at the moment. Yes, I, I think that is true. Because um, the groups that oppose abortion in the U.S. are saying, you know, we're having millions of abortions in the U.S. because we changed the law with the Roe v. Um, Wade uh, mm. ruling uh, 20 years ago. And that's really not, 40, uh, that's really not true. Um, there were abortions taking place, but they were unsafe, uh, illegal abortions. And so we simply transferred those abortions into the legal uh, field, did them safely. And um, we began to offer women contraception at the time of the abortion. As a doctor who's done abortions, and it's very interesting contraception, I think I have an ethical obligation to offer any woman who has an abortion a choice of contraceptives and see if I can help her mm. Make those choices, and this, you know, the scientific studies are that women who just had an abortion um, use contraception more to a higher level and more consistently than any other uh, group of women. So that's, you know, that's not rocket science. But one of the problems with illegal abortion 
is that the people doing the abortions often don't know anything about contraception, and the more ruthless ones don't want the woman to use contraception mm. because they will get another uh, abortion they can make money out of if she gets pregnant again. And if we turn our attention to contraception, the use of contraception went up in Romania, but it took a time to sort of re-educate people about the safety of it and the efficacy of it. I mean, are there any lessons there for perhaps other parts of the world where there is disquiet about using, using contraception? No, I think there's two things. One, is the single most important one, is making uh, things available that so they're accessible to women, so that not necessarily through a medical system, in poor countries like you know, Afghanistan or Nigeria, um, then you can have village volunteers who will distribute contraceptives. We have village volunteers in Ethiopia giving the injectable contraceptive. It's going very, very well. Mm. So first thing is to make things available. And then you're right, there's a lot of misinformation about contraception. Uh, we did surveys some years ago in about 20 countries, and many women thought the pill was more dangerous than childbirth. Actually, it's a thousand times the other way. Mm. You can counter that with radio soap operas. You've got to do something on a large scale. Uh, but the best advertisement for a contraceptive is your neighbor or your sister or your cousin who's using one happily. So I think it's making things available in a way that respects women, offers them choices, gives them honest information. There are side effects to contraceptives, and women should know about that. The pill may make them feel sick, may make their breasts tender. Um, Intrauterine devices can give you more menstrual bleeding. Mm. So there's mm. all things that should be understood, and we shouldn't. Uh, but we should tell women about the good and the bad uh, side effects, and we should listen to women, and we should learn from them. How do they, uh, you know, understand what's going on? What are their beliefs about their own bodies, their own physiology, etc.? Mm. Well, Malcolm Potts, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us.